Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blake, what's going on, my man? Great to chat with you. An early Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. Yes, you as well, Chris. Uh, good to talk to you. I know it's uh, been a while since we've caught up. Uh, we saw each other at SEC football meeting today, which seems like forever ago now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fun to kind of get into this time of year in both basketball and football with all season. So uh, yeah, exciting time. So, Blake, let's start with this. It, you know, I, I know that right now for a lot of people, it's it's really, really tough to take the attention away from football and really dive into basketball, especially when we're talking about non-conference games. Let's play a game, Blake. Let's pretend you're talking to someone who has not watched one second of SEC basketball to this point. What's the one thing, what's the thing that you would tell them that you feel like they need to know if they were asking, Blake, tell me what's happened in SEC basketball to this point, what's been the biggest thing that's jumped out to you that you feel like has stood out the most, if you will? The thing I would probably say is I think that the SEC has probably the best chance it's had in a while to kind of get as many teams in the NCAA tournament that there. I think there's a good chance that it will get. Um, but, you know, you can look around at all the bracketologies, which everybody knows I make fun of my December bracketologies, which don't really mean anything uh, this time of year. But you can look around and understand that there is a possibility, at least to this point, that the SEC can get nine teams into the tournament, I think. Um, and, and look, the reason for that, obviously, South Carolina is one of the reasons for it. Um, Ole Miss is the other, just based on those have kind of been the two surprise teams at this point. And so I think that's probably the biggest headline is that it feels like, and, and I say that to tell you that it feels like the SEC has been a little bit disappointing in non-conference play, but yet they've done enough to where I think there are probably nine teams that have a legitimate chance to make the NCAA tournament. You know, maybe teams 10 or 11 right now would even say, we feel like we've got a shot too. But um, I think it just, we're starting to see the overall strength of the league. And I think something else, Chris, that I would put in there too is keep in mind, we've seen a lot of teams so far that haven't been at full strength whether it's due to the transfer sitting out until now, whether it's due to injuries here or there, that guys are going to be coming back. Um, so, yeah, I think the strength of the league is, is pretty good right now. Blake, let's stick with the theme of that. Who's a team coming into the season that you felt really good about that at this point now, you know, we sit a couple weeks away from conference play beginning. Who's a team that you felt really good about that now you find yourself, you have a little bit more questions than you once did? And who's a team that maybe you weren't talking about as much or thinking that highly of that has impressed you the most that you think could realistically take what they've done in non-conference play and transition that into making some noise once SEC play begins? 
I mean, Arkansas is the the slam dunk easiest possible answer I could give to anybody on the team that's probably been the most disappointing. And, um, you know, I think talking to my colleague, Max Barr, he brought it up this morning. I, the word is perfect. Like, they're just confusing. Like, I don't know what to expect from Arkansas at this point. They played 12 games. Um, you know, usually we're used to in Muss's tenure there. They usually start hitting that bump like this time of year. But they started it so early this year where they lost the game to Greensboro back in November. They just haven't played well, um, really outside the Duke game. Like you could look at the majority of their games, even in the games they've won, they've not been great. Um, you could look at the last two as an example of that against Lipscomb and Abilene Christian. So they're a top three team in the SEC, in my opinion, coming into the season now. I just don't know how you could put them even in the top half right now because I think they are, they've got a lot to figure out in terms of chemistry and um, the offense and just kind of everything that they're trying to do. It hasn't clicked yet. And you always run into that danger, as you know, Chris, like anytime you're building a team in this transfer portal era, times the chemistry just doesn't click, period. And, you know, I think right now they're just searching for answers for everybody to try to figure out exactly what they need to do. So I'd put Arkansas as the easy answer for the disappointing one. You know, the surprising one, and of course it's not just because I'm talking to you, but like I said it and I, I have repeated it since then. I'm like, there was no one out there that was more convinced that South Carolina was going to be number 14 in the SEC out of 14 teams heading into the season. Um, you know, we all did our Southeastern 14 staff vote heading in. It was consensus. Like we all picked South Carolina 14 and here they are at 10 and one. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people in social media, we know how it works, but I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, their strength of schedule hasn't been the greatest. Some of these games they've won that are close games. I said, yeah, but you know, it's one thing to look at the computers. It's another thing to look at the team and actually watch them with your eyes. And I mean, to me, they've got gamers. Like they've just got guys who are kind of fearless. And again, the chemistry aspect we talked about that wasn't there for Arkansas. It has been there for South Carolina. Um, and, you know, if you're only blemished at this point, it's a five point loss to Clemson where I thought they played pretty well there. Like that's a loss. But man, I, I thought there was more good than bad to take away from that game, given what we've seen from Clemson. Um, yeah, like I think South Carolina is in a great position to make the NCAA tournament. And, you know, if we'd have had the same conversation six months ago and we'd have been saying that, we'd be like, what are, what am we even talking about right now? Um, but I've been that impressed with South Carolina to this point. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blake, let's stick with South Carolina for a moment because you talked transfer portal earlier and certainly Lamont Paris's team, a big beneficiary of that. When you look at Talon Cooper from Minnesota, BJ Mack from Wofford, 
Miles Studi from Vanderbilt. I mean, certainly you look at those contributors and what they're doing, Blake. Uh, also, Jacoby Wright coming off the bench. I mean, they've got dudes. Josh Gray is playing, I think, the best basketball of his career. Uh, and again, I think there's a lot of Gamecock fans right now or a lot of folks in Gamecock circles that are that, that are just they're 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 protecting their emotions right now, if you will. They're <laughs> trying not to get too high because, again, we are in non-conference play. But to your point, the only loss coming against a Clemson team that I think is nearing top 10 status right now. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the ACC. So, I mean, I said this coming in, Blake, that if South Carolina in year two of Lamont Paris, after what year one was, which was a really difficult season, if they could make the NIT, I, I thought that would be a great step in the right direction and, and would be positive growth for Lamont Paris's program. Certainly, it sounds like you think they are at minimum capable of doing that. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think, you know, I was just, as you were talking, the thing in my mind is, well, look, here's the deal. Like their non-conference schedule is not going to do them a lot of favors once they get, you know, into that where we start, let's say again, we're in mid-February and they're in a position to be in that conversation to make the NCAA tournament. Well, it's probably going to have to lean on beating some good teams in SEC play. But I mean, South Carolina has been in that position before. Um, and, you know, because again, you're always searching for signature wins. And I think the thing is, as we started the conversation, the SEC is going to allow you enough signature win opportunities this season to where again you've you've done the work to this point um you know obviously you don't need to slip up and lose to an elon or florida a&m or anything like that but if you just take care of business in those two games then you get into sec play i, I think you have to feel pretty good about their chances again not just to be an nit lock type team but also make the ncaa tournament and i think it's you know, the experience factor to me, we always talk about it. Like, you know, think about the conversations we had at the NCAA tournament last year, all about who are these teams that are making these runs? They're teams that are loaded with experience. Maybe guys who haven't played on the same team together a lot, but guys who just played a lot of basketball and kind of the big four, as I deem them here for South Carolina, like they've all played a lot of basketball and important basketball at times, um, you know, in, in big conference. So I think it's just, it's one of those things where, I said it, I, you know, Ole Miss and South Carolina have been the surprise teams. And I think everybody's just kind of out there waiting for them to fall off, which again, it's the SEC. It could happen to anybody, um, maybe outside of the top couple teams. But I don't know. I just don't get a sense yet that these are teams that are just going to all of a sudden fall flat on their face and become the, you know, 10th or 11th best team in the SEC. I, I don't know that that happens with a South Carolina and Ole Miss this season. You mentioned Ole Miss, Blake. Let's move into them because, again, the only undefeated team left in the SEC sitting at 11-0, and Chris Beard, year one. This was another team that, you know, the expectations weren't sky high. Again, year one of a new head coach, but you knew with Chris Beard, despite some of his checkered pass and off-the-court things, that the thing that he does better than anybody nearly in college basketball is win and win at a high clip. Uh, a, a lot of close victories here, Blake. Again, I'm just looking at their schedule. You know, a two-point win at UCF, three-point win over Memphis. But, I mean, you beat NC State by 20. You, you beat Cal. That's a quality win. Uh, you beat Temple by one. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is this. You're 11-0, and and nobody saw that coming in Oxford. Yeah, it's like uh, that's kind of been my point with Ole Miss. It's like people can pick them apart all they want, but we've seen – Kentucky lose to Wilmington. We've seen Missouri lose to Jackson State. You know, we've seen Arkansas lose to, you know, so we've seen SEC teams drop games they shouldn't. I'm not going to penalize Ole Miss for winning every game on their schedule at this point because they're one of only, what, a couple teams left in the country that have done that. Um, and, you know, the Memphis win. I mean, it's like, I think sometimes people are just overlooking this one where it's like, 
wait a second, like this Memphis team is really good based on what we've seen to this point. They just beat blew out Virginia. They just beat Clemson. You know, that's Clemson's only loss on the season. They won at A&M. Um, and Ole Miss beat that team. And so I think, yeah, like just the Chris Beard effect, like it is real. Um, and they have come in, and I think this was a team that people kind of rolled their their eyes at us in the summer because, you know, we did kind of our preseason you know, look-ahead rankings, and we're like, all right, it's summer, it's June, let's look at everybody's roster. If everyone has everybody, which Ole Miss hasn't had everybody until the past game when they got Brandon Murray back, you know, because of the two-time transfer thing and everything. But um, I said, hey, I could see Ole Miss finishing as a top-five team in the SEC, and there was one, I think, video we did in the summer we had him like three and people are like what are you guys talking about and i'm like the thing is if you just look at the roster it's really good and and it's kind of loaded with players that um if again the chemistry came together there's so much talent on the roster now they're still going to have their issues i think scoring at times they're not going to be a chris beard defense just yet i think it'll take him a little bit longer to get there uh but like you said chris they they, they've beaten everybody on their schedule and um, no other SEC team has done that. So until I start to see a reason to kind of knock them and say, well, that that fall off coming, I can't predict that right now because they've they've done all the work to this point to be 11 or no. So. Blake, I saw you guys talking about this on your show. So I'll ask Alabama is a team. You look at the record <laughs> six and five overall. And I know they lost a lot, obviously, from last year, a couple lottery pick guys. Excuse me, but I mean, looking at that overall record is somewhat surprising. Do you see Nate Oates' team getting it in gear, or is this setting up to be a disappointing year for the Crimson Tide? Yeah, I mean, I I completely understand why there's a lot of Alabama fans that are disappointed right now. Um, because, like you, you mentioned, I mean, six and five, you just look at the record and you're like, oh man, that's not an ideal place to be in. Now, the thing they have going for them, there's a couple of things. Fact is, they played one of the toughest schedules in the country at this point. On the flip side, the problem is they didn't get any of those wins. Um, you know, kind of go zero and five in the five biggest games they played. Now, most of those games were close. Um, you know, there's nobody in the country that's played a last three game set the way they played against Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona all away from home. Um, and they had their chances to win two of those three games. Even the Arizona game, you know, they were doing okay for a while there. But I think with Alabama, they're, and I've kind of used them as a Missouri from last year, although I don't think it's a fair comparison necessarily. But, you know, if you remember back to last year, Missouri was the team that just came out of nowhere for a lot of people because of, of why. It was because of how good they were offensively. Like, they were never going to beat teams with their defense. They could turn some people over and all that. But it was all going to be about how well they shoot it, and their scoring was so good at times they were able to make up for the defensive deficiencies. Boy, does Alabama have some defensive deficiencies. They can't guard without fouling. Um, you know, they don't really have any rim protection, all that stuff. But my goodness, if you watch them play, you understand that Alabama is going to score 80 points against pretty much everything that they play at this point. It feels like, like, you know, they scored 74 against Arizona and went eight of 40 from three. They still put up 74 points, you know, and it's just, it's one of those things where I think they're going to wind up beating teams in the SEC a lot of teams, maybe, maybe they get to 12 wins or something like that. Maybe that's what it takes to get to the NCAA tournament for them because they don't have a signature win elsewhere to this point. Um, I just think their scoring is going to put them in a position to beat anybody on their schedule the rest of the way. Um, but their defense is going to put them in a position to where they could lose to maybe anybody in on their schedule the rest of the way. And so Alabama is probably one of the more unpredictable teams um, from here on out. But I still think they have as much upside 
um, maybe as anyone not named Tennessee or Kentucky in the league, just because of how good they are on offense. So, You mentioned Kentucky, Blake. Let's talk about the Wildcats. Got a big win last night over Louisville. Granted, not a great Louisville team, but still big rivalry game on the road. Uh, beat North Carolina last weekend, 87-83. Many are touting the Cats as the best team, arguably, in the SEC, and certainly I think we all know what the goals and expectations are there. They want to get back to a Final Four. They want to win a national championship. Do you think they have the team, Blake, to do it this year? I think this is the best team he's had in, in quite a while. Um, yeah, and I, I it all runs together, I, I feel like, you know, over the past several years because those have been teams that, you know, just have not reached the success they wanted in NCAA tournament-wise. Um, but if you think back to, like, those teams, you know, I don't even remember, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there, I think it's the best team he's had since then. Um, and I think it's just – I kind of talked about South Carolina in the realm of, like, it just feels like that those big four guys and, of course, a couple guys off the bench too, um, they just feel like guys who just sort of rise to the occasion and, like, they they meet kind of the the demand of what it, what's expected from them. And you said it, like, Kentucky's expectations. Anytime you go to Kentucky, you know what the expectations are and you know the pressure that comes along with it. This is kind of a somewhat vintage Cal team, right, where it's like – Hey, we're going back to the freshmen and we're going to see if they can get us, you know, to where we need to go. And yes, they've got some of the older guys like Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell that are really helping, but elsewhere they are leaning in on the freshmen and all the freshmen so far have delivered and maybe even exceeded expectations in, in many spots. And remember, that's a, that's a class that we were hyping up as just this unbelievable class. I still think most of the guys have maybe even exceeded what we thought they would do right off the bat. Um, and so, I think this Kentucky team right now uh, is one that is built to win a national championship. Uh, we know how hard it is to do that in this era. And we know, you know, how the transfer portal has changed everything. But I, I just look at the way these guys play and there is a chemistry there. There is a just fearlessness with the young guys that you don't always see with freshmen. Um, and it seems like every single one of these guys that are playing, which, you know, if you're talking about the bulk of the minutes, we're talking about five. Yeah. Five guys. Um, I mean, these guys just go out and, and and they play and the chemistry's there and they built everything in with the shooting. Like they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. When, when's the last time we said that about Kentucky? That's a dangerous thing is they're so good shooting-wise. They've got the size that you expect Kentucky to have. Um, and I just think they've got those intangibles that some of these recent teams have not had. Uh, so I would be surprised if Kentucky is not one of the one or two best teams in the SEC at the end of the season. The Spurs Up Show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste, and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. 
The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And, Blake, you mentioned the Tennessee Volunteers, the team that almost certainly will challenge for that top spot in the SEC. You know, you look at the record, you see three losses. You're like, oh, three non-conference losses. But then you look, Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina. That's who those three losses are to, and they have crushed everybody else, Blake. What have you seen from the Volunteers at this point? And, again, I I would imagine they're going to give Kentucky a run for their money and anybody else at the top of the SEC as well. Yeah, I think it's take your pick on which of these two teams you think are are the best team right now and maybe wind up being the best team in the SEC. Um, You know, if it's not an Alabama, an Auburn, an A&M, one of those kind of teams. But, yeah, I mean, Tennessee, it's the added scoring punch of a Dalton Connect, who I know has been kind of battling injury a little bit recently. But, I mean, we always say, Chris, like when guys transfer up, you just don't, you sometimes you know, but you don't always. It's, it's very unpredictable, right? If guys can just transfer from a northern Colorado like Dalton connected and be able to come into Tennessee and just be kind of a scoring juggernaut like he was for a good portion of the start of the season. Like I said, I think there's a little injury aspect to the last several games. Hasn't scored as much, but the good news is he hasn't had to score that much because Tennessee has so many guys, as we know, the returning guys who have you know played for what seems like 40 years together with that trio of Ziegler and Vescovy and uh, James. And so having that experience, I think is again, something that a lot of other sec teams don't have. And you know, you know what I'm going to say next, it's just, it's Tennessee. They're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, it's going to be hard to play against them. Um, we know people get frustrated by that at times. I think Tennessee, you know, Oh, they foul too much and they don't get called for it. They're too physical. And that's just the way Tennessee plays like that's their style. And I think the difference with this team is that they have way more of kind of an offensive punch and like you said, the only issues on the resume so far, losses at Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina all the way from home, you're okay with that because they've beaten Illinois. That Wisconsin win looks great now on the road. Um, and so, yeah, I think the balls and the cats, like we said that for years, um, you know, with an Alabama popping up here and Auburn popping up there, but it just seems like Tennessee and Kentucky are kind of the, the top dogs again this year just in terms of the way their rosters are built. Now, Blake, we started off the show talking about a pair of teams in South Carolina and Ole Miss that were by most picked near the bottom of the league. Let's talk some middle-of-the-pack teams. You know, I look at schools like a Florida, like a, dare I say, Auburn, although I think you could argue they're one of the better teams in the league, Mississippi State, Missouri, 
Texas A&M and Buzz Williams is seven and four. Which of those middle of the pack teams do you feel the best about moving forward in SEC play? A team that you expect from that middle of the pack to separate themselves into the the top tier, if you will. Yeah, I think A&M is going to get there, um, you know, because we saw what they did last year. I don't know that they're going to have a repeat, you know, from last year where they go 15 and three in the conference or something like that. I think it's going to be hard to do this year, um, maybe even again for maybe the favorites in Tennessee and Kentucky. But I think the thing you look at with A&M is they've lost four games. They've lost them to Houston, Memphis, Florida Atlantic, all those games by seven points or less. Like they were all close games where they had a chance. They lost the one at Virginia by 12. But I think what we have to remember with A&M, and, and maybe I shouldn't be as confident in this as, as I should, you know, because Tyrese Radford's situation, um, you know, he's kind of been in and out a little bit. And but Buzz Williams kind of said it's an issue they're trying to, you know, take care of and, and see exactly when he's going to be able to play maybe more consistently. I mean, he's their second best player. So if for some reason Tyrese Radford were to continue to miss a lot of action, like he's only played in <clears throat> one of the last five games, played 24 minutes against Memphis. Um, you know, if that continues, then yeah, I think you knock AM a little bit, but they still have what's probably the best player in the SEC in Wade Taylor. We've saw we've seen what he can do. Like he can just carry you like he did against Houston, where he just went off and scored 34 points or whatever. But I they need Radford to help them get back to being like a top three SEC team to where they can challenge for an SEC title. So I'm just gonna, you know, maybe assume that happens. And if it does, I think they're gonna be just fine. You know, the other team I will quickly point out in there, um, I think Mississippi State, let's remember, they're 9-2 and two right now. I know they had a couple losses where it's like Georgia Tech and Southern, like, ugh, not good losses. But they're doing all this without Tulu Smith, who is a top three SEC player probably. And you're talking about a guy just fully healthy on the floor. The way he impacts the game on both sides. Again, a, a team like Tennessee, you don't want to play them because of how they're going to play defense. They're going to be physical. They're going to be hard to score against. Um, but once they get him back, that opens up another dimension with their offense. And they've had a guy like Josh Hubbard just come in from out of nowhere as a freshman and just kind of take over games. So I think A&M and Mississippi State, because of the way they play, um, they're going to be ones that are, I think, have a great chance to challenge at the top of the SEC. Uh, but like we mentioned, it's kind of going to be a couple intangibles here and there, whether it's player availability um, or just seeing how you know Mississippi State performs once they get their best best player back on the floor. So. Now, Blake, I'm going to put you on the spot here with this next one because I think we have a tendency as SEC fans to we let our egos run wild and maybe have a little bit of an inflated sense of, of what our team is because they're beating up on these non-conference teams. That applies to all sports, right? <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot, Blake. Is there a team out there in the SEC that you look at that maybe their fan base is feeling high and mighty, the record is shiny, but you think there's a chance they may get humbled once conference play begins? Who I mean, look, the the easy answer would, would probably be an Ole Miss or South Carolina, just because I like you said earlier, it's you know fans are trying to keep their emotions in check. It's almost like it's just too good to be true to start things off because we we could have had this conversation a hundred times in the summer and we probably could not have got to a point where we said, oh yeah, Ole Miss and South Carolina are going to be twenty one and one combined when we get to Christmas. Um, so I think that's what I would go with just because by the nature of what our projections were for those teams coming into the season. And like you said, too, I think it's fair to also point out that they've won some close games. And when you win close games, sometimes you need the ball to bounce your way and you may get into games against better teams and it doesn't bounce your way and you lose some of those games. So it's certainly possible outside of those two. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to Arkansas. Like 
their fans are probably not as you know thrilled right now with where they are. But I tell you, I, there were also some people where we had them tenth in our power rankings this week, and there were some Arkansas fans who were just like, "How on earth could you have them at 10? And we're like, "Because like you know they've got to win against Duke. What else do they have? Even in some of the games they've won, like I said earlier, they've not looked that good. And so I I say Arkansas not because I think their fan base is as high as could be right now with the way they're playing. But I think there is truly a scenario where what happens if they don't figure this out? Then I think you are legitimately looking at the potential for this Arkansas team. And remember, they finished, well, they finished 10th last year in the SEC, I think. Um, I mean, you're looking at that same potential, and I think that would be a huge disappointment based on how this team was built and how last teams, you know, last year's team was built, because I thought they added so much more shooting with this team. They add a lot more kind of offensive dynamics, but yet it's not really paid off outside of just those spurts where a Khalif battle goes off. Um, you know, Tremont Mark goes off. So, I mean, I feel like we could answer Arkansas at like any question <laughs> because they are just the most confusing team out there. And I would have to say for all the Arkansas fans that are just completely bought in on the fact that they're going to turn this thing around. I've always said, give Eric Musselman the benefit of the doubt. Cause he does it every year in terms of them finding the right answers. Once you get to March, I don't know with this team just yet because I just haven't seen it enough consistently through 12 games to maybe think that's actually going to happen. So, Blake, hypothetically, you're talking to someone that, again, doesn't watch a ton of SEC basketball. Who's the most exciting player in the league that you would point someone to to say, hey, you got to go watch this guy play? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Wade Taylor is still the best player in the league. Um, you know, I, I ultimately picked Janiah Broom as my SEC player of the year going into the, the season. But, I mean, it's kind of 1A, 1B with, with Wade Taylor, I thought. But I'll give you the other answer that's probably, um, you know, emerged and, and everyone's been talking about him. <laughs> I mean, Reed Shepard at Kentucky. Like, this is a guy, obviously he was a, you know, a, a highly heralded recruit and all this, but – I think just watching reach, if you are just a basketball person, like if you like the mix of old school basketball play and like new school basketball play, he is like the prototype where he will do all those things. He'll make all the the winning plays, right? Like that's the, the coach peak. He'll be the guy that gets the loose ball. He'll go play defense and block a shot um, and all these things. But remember, we're talking about a six, three freshman who, comes in in a group that is just loaded in terms of like a, and maybe an all-time freshman type class. And we're all talking about Justin Edwards being maybe the number one pick in the 2024 draft. We're talking about DJ Wagner, what he can do with the guard position. Dillingham has been fantastic. You could realistically pick any of these freshmen for Kentucky and probably be fine with it. But I'm going to give Reed Shepard his due because there have been so many games this year where if he's not on the floor, I don't know. He, he feels like the one that holds everything together. And again, if you just like watching a great, fundamentally sound basketball player that can kind of do it all, um, he would get my vote because he has just been fantastic at times. So, Now, Blake, I know you're an SEC guy, but from the national perspective, has there been anything that surprised you, jumped out at you? Again, it's non-conference play, and so I think we try to not draw too many conclusions too early, but has there been anything from the national perspective that's jumped out to you to this point? You know, I would say if, if there's a team, I mean, I think Duke has struggled a little more than I thought they would to this point. Now they're eight and three, just got a good win against Baylor. Um, but I mean, I was, I say going to see this, if you give me one team to win the national championship this year, I may go with Duke because I just like the way the roster was built. So, but I, but I think that's something that's interesting. And the question is like, we, we got to a point where we were so used to judging a team solely based on 
you know, the great that the teams that used to be ranked in the top 10 or top 15, right? It was okay. Well, they may have one loss going into conference play, but it's like, look at how many teams out there now that have that are probably top 10 type teams that that have multiple losses, three losses, maybe, or, or maybe even more in some cases where you look at some of these teams and you're like, it's just the nature of the teams they're playing. It's the nature of the transfer portal, all those things. Um, and it's just taken a while to come together. So I think a, a team like Duke, maybe it's been a little surprising that maybe just looking at the record, like eight and three, maybe they should have won a couple more games in there. Obviously the Georgia tech loss to, stood out. Um, but I mean, elsewhere, I, I think Chris, the biggest thing I would say, and, and maybe it kind of ties in the transfer portal situation, you're seeing how good teams can be at the mid major level because of their ability to go out and get players that just will go there and stay there. And we know NIL plays a part in this. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's like, Florida Atlantic, right? They were the team everybody was talking about last season um, to finish the year. And wow, what a run all the way to the national championship, right? But think about how hard it was for a Dusty May to like, okay, I've got to find a way to keep these players. And yet he still finds a way to do it. And we look at like, we see the rewards for that. He's keeping these players. They're still a fantastic team. They're nine and two this season. They got a game against Arizona on Saturday, which should be really good. Um, and so I think it's just continuing to see that gap close between the mid-major type teams and these traditional power conference teams that we just for the longest time felt like they were always going to have the edge, whether it's talent-wise, coach-wise, whatever. That is no longer the case in college basketball anymore. And I think it's never been more evident than right now as we're seeing some of these mid-major teams, again, whether it's a Florida Atlanta. Look what BYU's done this season. I know they're in the Big 12 now, but if we're just looking at it from, that's a team that just came from the Mountain West. Um, look at the way they've kind of built their program now and see where they're at at this point. So I think that's just always kind of fascinating to me is just to see how many of these teams continue to take that step forward. Um, and yeah, like it just, to me, makes for a much more interesting product in college basketball because you've got a lot more possibilities um, and just a lot more, I think, excitement for a lot of different teams out there that aren't just your traditional powers the way it used to be. So, Blake, in the Big 12, that makes me think Texas and Oklahoma are all excited what that means on the gridiron, right? That's the most obvious. But how excited are you about what Texas and OU bring on the hardwood when it comes to the depth and the overall competitive edge that the SEC is going to have on the basketball floor? Yeah, those are two programs that are in very interesting spots as they're going to head into the SEC next year because, you know, you think about Texas last year, Rodney Terry makes this magical run after everything that happened with Chris Beard um, and, you know, off to a good start this year and they gave him the contract and they rewarded him for his efforts of, of getting them, you know, to a point to where they almost won 30 games, um, you know, got to the, remember what it was, they lost to Miami uh, in the tournament. I think that was the elite eight or whatever it was. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think seeing that now you kind of like, all right, you feel like your coach is in place. Um, there's a lot of positive momentum there based on what you did last season. And then look at Oklahoma. There were so many people last year, myself included, that were like, I don't know if Porter Mosher in Oklahoma is just the right fit. Um, you know, had all the success at Loyola Chicago. We remember the tournament runs. We remember everything. Um, you know, Sister Gina, we, we remember all that. But you look at the way he started, you know, in Oklahoma, and you're like, I just don't know if that's a fit. And me just kind of hearing some stuff, you know, they went 15 and 17 last year, 19 and 16 the year before. It's like, I don't know if this is going to ultimately be a long-term kind of marriage here. But yet here they are. They're 10 and 1. They just lost to North Carolina. They beat Arkansas, they beat USC, they beat Iowa. You know, but Providence, that's a good win now. Look what Providence has done. So, yeah, I think these are two programs with a lot of momentum coming into the SEC. And 
boy, we talk about the strength of the league, right? And what you start projecting in terms of NCAA tournament teams. I mean, so it's going to be the college football playoff. Where all of a sudden, we're going to go out and double the number of NCAA tournament teams next year. But you're going to add two SEC teams to the mix that are going to have a great chance to make the NCAA tournament. So it's like, how many teams in the SEC start to make the tournament regularly uh, and its current you know, iteration? Like, how, how does that start to look? Because they are two that are going to really battle, I think, every year for a chance to be near the top of the SEC. Um, and so it's only going to make it stronger. Blake Lavelle, Southeastern 14, does a fantastic job talking all things SEC hoops. Blake, one last thing, and I'll get you out of here. Just looking way too far ahead, a couple weeks down the road. Saturday, January the 6th, SEC play will officially begin. You've got South Carolina, Mississippi State, Florida, Kentucky, Mizzou, Georgia, Arkansas, Auburn, Vandy, Bama, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Texas A&M and LSU. How excited are you for the slate for SEC play to get going and specifically that day of games? Yeah, it's a great, great start for for a lot of teams because like you said, this is a chance for South Carolina to sort of flex what it's done to this point against the Mississippi State team, which may have to lose Smith back by then. I would probably say he'll be back uh, by that point. We'll find out. But um, great opportunity for South Carolina right off the bat. You know, and then you think about Florida. Florida's been an up and down team. Great opportunity at home against Kentucky um, to kind of right some of the wrongs there. Same with Arkansas. Arkansas has got a great opportunity at home against Auburn, who might, who I think is the third best team in the SEC right now. Um, you know, and then you look at that Tennessee Ole Miss game. That's the one that everybody's going to kind of circle if Ole Miss can keep this thing going until then, which I, I would expect them to, um, because this is one where it's kind of that prove it game. And we talked about like it's kind of fitting, I guess. Tennessee and Mississippi State are two teams you just don't want to play against, and they're not easy to prepare for in terms of the style that they play. Well, that's what South Carolina and Ole Miss are going to get on day one, you know, in SEC play. And so I think that makes it very intriguing just to see how we start to see some of these teams adapt to what we know is a grind week in and week out of playing this SEC schedule. And um, a lot of big opportunities, because like we mentioned, even for teams, Alabama's not going to get anything from beating Vanderbilt. But this is where you start to – Okay, you got to start finding all those wins that you need to build those NCAA tournament resumes. I think that's where things start to get really significant for an Ole Miss, for South Carolina teams like that. Blake, always a pleasure, my friend. Sincerely, we appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Happy New Year, my man, and we'll talk more in 2024. Yep, same to you, Chris. Thanks as always. Appreciate you, man.